Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes. Health lifestyle. We tend to kind of look at those different debates and conversations and say, hey, listen, we can join the dots up here. You know, there's a study from New York showing that people on the Mediterranean diet actually had larger brain volumes, larger brain sizes in their (laughs) 80s who were on the Mediterranean diet. You know, there's a study from, uh, you know, a study about these polyphenols. Then there's there's also the Predimens. And hey, hang on a minute. Let's bring this all together and, and start to get a message out there that, 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 that there's something going on that our patients and, and, and the public really need to really need to, 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 to do. And then if we can communicate it in a really enjoyable way like you do in the kitchen, even better because then that connects and helps people to, to understand how to, how, to, how to make it work for them. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor. I study nutrition and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. Over the years, you'll have heard me frequently talking about the Mediterranean way of eating and extra virgin olive oil. And today on the show, I'm delighted to be joined by an expert in all things to do with olive oil and the history of a Mediterranean diet in general, Dr. Simon Paul. Everything you need to know about olive oil is in today's episodes. Its origins, its therapeutic effects, the impact on heart and brain health, its potential anti-cancer and weight maintenance effects, as well as the alchemy of olive oil and food. Today's podcast was absolutely fascinating. For me, I learned so much from Dr. Paul, who is a Cambridge-based GP and an internationally renowned authority on the science and application of the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. He's also co-author of the Gourmand prize-winning book, The Olive Oil Diet, and speaks regularly on the subject of communication and change management in population and individual nutritional health. On the podcast, you'll learn about what the origins of olive oil are, how the oil is produced, its regenerative impact on soil and climate health, the types of phenols in olive oil, olive and heart health, as well as Alzheimer's, weight loss, and also the grading process of olive oil and what to look for, plus the smoking point of olive oil, something I'm asked about a lot. Enjoy today's episode. I'm sure you'll find it fascinating. 
Simon, thank you so much for making the time this morning. I know you're a busy GP in uh, Cambridge, so uh, it's fantastic to be able to talk to someone who loves olive oil probably more than me, I would say, uh, and I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> that's an absolute pleasure, Rupee. Yes, that's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> so uh, I want to dive down into this because you are a practicing general practitioner. Um, what piqued your interest in nutrition and diet in, in general? Because from now it's become quite um, trendy, I guess, to be a, a lifestyle GP or someone who's interested in lifestyle medicine. But you've been bestowing the virtues of the Mediterranean diet and olive oil for a number of years now. So what, where was your beginnings in this journey? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. I, I mean, it began really for me, gosh, about 15 to 20 years ago. Um, my general practice career spans 30 years, uh, uh, nearly. Uh, and it began about 15, 20 years ago when I just started to see some research papers coming out in the British Medical Journal, in New, New England Journal of Medicine, and really prestigious journals showing the power of the Mediterranean diet. And actually there were some uh, comparisons of the Mediterranean diet with, uh, for example, medications for pre-existing heart disease and really demonstrating just the power of lifestyle and in particular the, the evidence, which I think is now overwhelming and compelling about the benefits of, of the Mediterranean diet. And, and you're mm. right that um, increasingly, thankfully, uh, GPs, doctors like yourself are becoming interested in, in lifestyle, lifestyle medicine. Um, and for, for me, the Mediterranean diet is not a fashion. It's absolutely been, well, it's been around there for millennia. I mean, it, you know, it started with the cultivation of the olive tree amongst agriculture uh, in, the, in, the, in the fertile, you know, fertile crescent uh, uh, 3,000, 10,000 years ago, you know, a long mm. time ago. Mm. Um, so I became interested and I started to advocate it to my patients. And, you know, although of course this is anecdotal, uh, they came back with better numbers. They came back with better mm. blood pressure. They were losing weight. They were feeling better on the Mediterranean diet. Um, and of course, that's mirrored by, by much of the research. And then I just started digging deeper uh, and really beginning to understand a little bit more about, in particular, the role of extra virgin olive oil at the heart of the Mediterranean diet. And so I just um, started to, to actually started to speak to my patients and they said, well, look, we, we need a little bit more time. So, so can you come to the library at six o'clock or the village hall? <laughs> and so I, I kind of cut my teeth on Women's Institute and Rotary Club talks in the villages. Um, and, uh, and, and, and since then have, have been presenting and, and talking and now I'm very privileged to, to talk in international conferences about how we communicate the Mediterranean diet to patients. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's 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 incredible how many times I hear stories that mirror that from other GPs and practicing doctors who started having more open, honest conversations with patients and then found themselves running late in clinic. I remember I used to I used to find myself running really late in clinic as a as a trainee general practitioner back in 2012 and and uh, I got known as the the doctor that would talk to the patients about diet. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you get all these these uh, inquiries from random patients and and patients uh, from other GPs and stuff. So it's brilliant. And and you mentioned international conferences. There, you're part of something. Well, not only a council member of the Royal College of GPs, but you're part of an initi initiative called the True Health Initiative. I wonder if you could talk a, a bit about that. 
Yeah, so the True Health Initiative is an international collaboration of, of, of uh, medics, but also chefs, um, uh, dietitians, other people involved, uh, particularly uh, you know, in, in, in the public around, around the communication of, of lifestyle medicine. So it's, it's based in the States, and I was invited really at its inception to be, to be part of that group following a, a conference I attended at, at Boston, uh, in Boston, where we, we tried to bring uh, um, lots of different nutritional tribe doctors together. You know, the, 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 the person who'd written the first book on the paleo diet and, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Walter Willett from Harvard, who, who, who was very much of the sort of low saturated fat mantra. And we tried to get everybody together to agree some, some basic principles that we could all sign up to around nutrition. Because, of course, there are quite a lot of food fights that go, up, go on amongst doctors and experts, which is, which is something I think that needs to be leveled out so that we can communicate much more clearly to patients. So it's about communication and the THI, the True Health Initiative, is about trying to get those messages out about real food, about eating well, about looking after yourself, and, and really very much aligned to the work that you do, which is, which, which, is, which is so influential and which I think really helps and supports people. Because we know that 70% of, of chronic diseases are potentially uh, preventable through lifestyle measures. And, and with that kind of, uh, that kind of promise of, of, of lifestyle interventions like diet uh, um, uh, and other, other aspects to a healthy lifestyle, we know it's so important. Yeah, I, I, that really does resonate with me. It reminds me of the, the TED talk that I recently gave um, in November 2019 in Bristol, uh, all about how when you look at all the different diets there, whether you choose paleo or vegan, Mediterranean, you know, and Mediterranean is not really a diet. And I, I think we'll go into that in a bit more. But the underlying principles are very similar. It's removing a lot of the processed high sugar, high energy items and introducing whole foods, real food, cooking from scratch, going a lot slower. Um, and, and I remember it, it reminds me of the study that was conducted by, I think it was Professor Gardner at Stanford, the A to Z study which followed people on a chosen diet over 12 months, whether it be a low saturated fat or low fat in general or Mediterranean. I think they had a vegan arm as well. And all the results were the same at 12 months. And the best predictors of whether a person was going to lose weight, which is the primary endpoint, was how likely they were to stick to the diet. So it really goes down to individualizing and personalizing what people preference and actually you know encouraging them to to stick with uh, a way of living a way of eating that works for them i think you're right and i think that's why some of the very highly restrictive diets and some of the some of the uh, more let me politely say unusual diets are not sustainable for people. And what people really need is advice about real food, uh, about enjoying food, about celebrating food. Um, and then actually, I think a lot of it falls into place then uh, around people getting an understanding and a taste for, for what it means to, to eat proper uh, real food. But the Mediterranean diet, I, I would contend, supercharges that. I think mm. there are some elements of the Mediterranean diet which are really quite special. It, it starts on the principles of real food very clearly. Mm. But there are some, for example, food combinations which give it a particularly uh, powerful effect, it seems. So, so, so the Mediterranean diet is, of course, my, my tribe. Um, but, 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 but I think it's very interesting because if, if, if I talk to, to all the, the various 
pugilists, the fighters in, 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 in the food fights, in, in, in the macro, what I call the macronutrients wars, you know, the, the low yeah. carb, the low fat. If you talk to all of them, at the end of the day, they all kind of agree that the Mediterranean diet is, is actually a very good diet. And oh yes, well, my low carb version of the Mediterranean diet looks like this. <laughs> Or, or my low-fat version of the diet looks like this, but it's all the, around the Mediterranean. Or I, I, 800 calories a, a day on day one or two of fast. Oh, and then when we eat, let's eat Mediterranean. So I think it is a, quite a, a common theme on people. And, and that's because it, essentially the evidence is, is, is so overwhelming, really, gathered really since Ansel Keys started that, that, that process of gathering that evidence when he observed the, the healthy lifestyles and the longevity of people living in 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 crete and in, in calabria and southern italy mm, yeah i mean I, I love the way you describe the mediterranean diet as more of a, a lifestyle rather than just the plates of food because it really does go to the food combinations but also the way you eat the food who you eat the food with and the sort of other activities that are actually quite um socially cohesive that they're quite encouraging of 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 um, play and 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 communication outside of of just what you put on your plate you're absolutely right and there are a number of themes within that so there are themes around if you eat more slowly you tend to eat overall fewer calories if you celebrate food and value it then you waste less food it's a more sustainable diet there's a sort of conviviality uh, around around eating together, which again has an effect on on, on your metabolism, on, on actually the way you process your food. And if you look at the so-called blue zones, which you may have covered in some of your your podcasts and, and referred to, you, you know these are areas where they have particularly uh, a particular uh, um, numbers of centenarians, number of people in their in their nineties or who who reach a hundred. And really, there are some very common themes around diet and lifestyle, but also around uh, around community uh, and around sharing, uh, which are also really, uh, really important. And about understanding and, and, and respecting food and, and the environment around us, which I think is, is, is good not just for our lifestyle, but it's good for our planet and, and, and therefore good for health, because anything that's good for the planet has to be good for health in the long term. Absolutely, yeah, and I think you know anything that supercharges those sort of values of sustainability and and circular food systems is is definitely a win. Um, you mentioned uh, you know how long olive oil has has been around and um, references it, it, to it as well um, uh, of thousands of years. I thought we could start by just going into what is olive oil, um, how it's produced, and 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 where its sort of origins are. Sure. So, so essentially, if I could just put that into context, because the Mediterranean diet is a is a many regional diets around the Mediterranean. So, you can take a Mediterranean diet from Italy or from Spain or from North Africa, um, and they will all have distinct difference. Some will have uh, alcohol, wine with them. Others, for religious uh, observance reasons, they, they won't have alcohol or wine. Some will have a, a lot of garlic, the French, and, and so on. If you look at the common denominator of all those regional Mediterranean diets, uh, there are herbs and spices, there are um, plentiful coloured vegetables and fruits, there are whole grains, uh, there are nuts and seeds and, and meat eaten relatively less often. But the common denominator really is the combination of vegetables and extra virgin olive oil. That's what, th and, and the Mediterranean diet can actually be defined really as being 
the Mediterranean itself, which is where the olive tree grows and where the mm. olive tree ceases to grow, ceases to become a Mediterranean, Mediterranean region. Um, and the olive tree itself um, was, was first cultivated, as, a, as I've said, many thousands of, of years ago um, in, in what is now modern day Syria, or Iran. And, and then because the oil from the, 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 the fruit of the tree was so valuable um, for food, but, but also um, when it was not edible uh, for, for fuel, for lamps, uh, the, the Phoenicians spread the olive tree uh, with their trading routes uh, across the Mediterranean from, from, from modern-day Lebanon to North Africa and to, and, and to Spain and Greece and, and Italy and planted the olive tree. And it's, of course, become um, very much central to the diet. And so olive, olive oil is fundamental at the heart. And essentially it's processed, it's the fresh fruit juice of the, of the olive. So it's distinct from other seed oils or vegetable oils because it's actually a fresh fruit juice. So it's, it's, mm. it's quite expensive to produce, which is why you, you've got to understand that you've got to pay a little bit more for a decent extra virgin olive oil because there's a lot that goes into it. It's not an industrial uh, uh, process for, for good extra virgin olive oil. We mm. can talk about refined olive oil if you want, but that's, that's essentially a processed product. Um, what is really key for health is extra virgin olive oil. And this is from uh, the pressing of the, uh, of the olives to extract the juice uh, under conditions which minimize uh, degradation, which minimize breakdown, which minimize oxygen, heat and light. So uh, a good olive farmer will nurture his trees um, through the winter, uh, um, uh, through, through the, the first winter and then into the, into the spring and summer. And then in the autumn, uh, will harvest, uh, will press the olives uh, as quickly as possible following, following harvesting uh, and, and extract the, the oil and put it in very large um, stainless steel uh, containers with nitrogen sealing to keep those uh, keep the the, the the dangers of oxygen, light and heat away from extra virgin olive oil, which will give its freshness, uh, it'll give it its fant fantastic taste, um, and it'll also preserve the all-important polyphenol antioxidants, which are broken down if it's exposed to uh, air and, and, and heat and light. Uh, and then when you get your, your, your final extra virgin olive oil, probably in a tin or in your, your um, darkened bottle, uh, stored in a cool place, again, to, 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 to preserve it. Um, they have a very long shelf life, extra virgin olive oil, but it is best preserved away from, from, from the effects of light and, and heat and oxygen. Then you'll get your really super tasty uh, uh, extra virgin olive oil, which will have, have a fruitiness, uh, perhaps, perhaps you'll taste fresh grass in it, um, but you will also, interestingly, get a little bit of bitterness and a little bit of pungency. And what's really interesting is that pepperiness and the bitterness actually reflect the level of polyphenol antioxidants in the oil. So those are really good for health. So we can talk about extra virgin olive oil in the context of these polyphenol antioxidants, but essentially you can recognize them by tasting an oil that's fruity, but there's also got this bitterness and the pungency, the pepperiness. What makes you, what makes you actually cough when you, when you uh, just have extra virgin olive oil uh, by itself, which are positive attributes which denote a really healthy oil. Uh, the way you're describing that, I can almost feel in the back of my mouth <laughs> what, I, what I taste whenever I, I try an olive oil for the first time, a good quality one anyway. 
Uh, and before we go into the the antioxidants, the polyphenols, which I find the most fascinating attributes of of olive oil, I, you touched on provenance there, and and where the um, the olive tree originated. Now we have olive oil farmers um, that have extended throughout the Mediterranean region, but you also get some globally as well. Are there significant differences in those different types of of olive trees? Do do you find that it has to be one of those products where you have to get it from certain Mediterranean regions to to have a true olive oil experience? No, there are some really great olive oils being produced from from all over the world. And I think that's really exciting because one of the Mm. things about the Mediterranean diet, and in particular the olive tree, is that it's an ex- extremely a sustainable uh, uh, product. So, um, so for example, the production of one liter of extra virgin olive oil sinks 10 kilograms of carbon. It, it gives back oh, to wow. the planet. Um, uh, it, it can be grown in places that other crops can't be grown because it, it responds really well to harsh and arid conditions. Um, and so the expansion of the Mediterranean diet pr- production areas to Australia, so the southern hemisphere like South Africa, Australia, um, Chile uh, is a great producer now, um, as well as the northern hemisphere, which includes our Mediterranean region, uh, but also uh, California in particular. And so, so across the 40 degree parallel north and south, uh, it, it, the olive tree will thrive and flourish. And of course, we've always seen the evolution, I mean, the, the Mediterranean diet has evolved over millennia with the introduction of the tomato from, 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 the, from the States, with the introduction of, 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 the, of the pomegranate and, and, and indeed garlic from, from, from Asia, from, you know, from, from mm-hmm. the Indian subcontinent. And so this evolution of the Mediterranean diet, and we, we're just part of, that, part of that bringing it to other parts of the world, which I, I think is great because we, we can then access local, uh, sustainable uh, products um, uh, in, in terms of actually helping and supporting the planet because it's such an important um, health-giving uh, oil. And it, frankly, it's it's the only liquid fat. I, I mean, I don't have butter in my house. I'll just have extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> I, I, and, and it's so good for you. I think there's mm. great promise that we can, you know, well, I say we, uh, the producers can supply the world with increasing quantities of this fantastic product. Yeah, the fact that it's a, almost a regenerative plant um, and it's a carbon sink is super exciting. Um, but I love the way that you, you you're nodding uh, the other elements of a Mediterranean diet of which we what we think is classical Mediterranean, but actually has its roots in Asia and different um, continents around the world. Um, the spice root, especially, you know, we think of saffron or pepper, paprika. These are all come from from different areas as a result of colonization. So it's uh, it's very very interesting history. Exactly, and the history is fascinating because because of course people knew about health. You know, in, in in ancient times, I mean, you, you mm. know, we we haven't just we might be able to explain it a little better with science now, and we can tell a story about why the polyphenols make you cough, which is a science-based story. But actually, people in the past have really understood the benefits of health. So there was a there was a Greek um, uh, a, a Greek uh, um, physician uh, back in the in the second century AD, I think, called Dioscorides, who who used to recommend the the early harvest bitterest 
a juice of the extra virgin olive oil for various inflammatory conditions. And mm. we now know, and we can now understand, that actually that is the highest antioxidant and anti-inflammatory olive oil. So maybe Dioscorides knew something, uh, a thing or two. And Hippocrates would, would recommend, extra, he had 60 recipes which were founded on extra virgin olive oil for conditions which were largely inflammatory conditions. Uh, mm. And with the anti-inflammatories we now understand to be in the oil, it's a fascinating history, I think, of of the of of, of physicians and doctors. I mean, clearly, we, we didn't always get it right over the years with yeah. with, with, <laughs> with bleeding people, and, and although leeches, yeah. I think, are back in fashion, aren't they, medically? But, um, yeah, but we didn't yeah. always get it right. But you know, there were themes around food and nutrition, which are really interesting around people always wanting to try to understand the health benefits of of things like saffron, as you say. Absolutely, yeah. I did know that about. Uh, is it Saccharides? Dioscorides. Dioscorides. I'm definitely going to look that up. And the recipes as well. Do we actually have the re the original recipes that Hippocrates wrote? We don't have them in great detail, largely mm. because they were written after his after his death. But um, but there was a there was a sort of celebrity chef of his time. There was a Roman celebrity chef who who, by all accounts, sounds to have been quite a quite a challenging character, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps not dissimilar to some of the celebrity chefs we know today, called, called Marcus uh, Apicius, who, who, who again would talk, he wrote, wrote cookbooks, which, which again, lots of extra virgin olive oil in them and, and, and talking about the, the, the importance for health. And, and those, those cookery books were used up until the Middle Ages. So, so, uh, um, so, so we do have some, some, some written stories, which I think are just fascinating. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. It's, it's really putting a smile on my face, the, uh, the sort of imagination of <laughs> Hippocrates, a doctor dealing with a chef and you know, the sort of arguments they might have as well about the amounts of olive oil and, and the flavor and all the rest of it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Not too dissimilar from uh, my, my chefs in uh, culinary medicine, actually, which is the, the non-profit we, we, we've started to teach medics uh, the foundation of nutrition and, and how to cook um, uh, let's let's dive deeper into the polyphenols uh, in in olive oil now and um, because I, I think uh, perhaps we should start by describing exactly what we mean by polyphenols where they come from um, and 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 why uh, that a good olive oil has that sort of bitterness that pepperiness that that catches the back of your throat and, and makes you cough as you as you said yeah sure so so okay so polyphenols um are, are, are plant compounds so these these are these are chemicals that are produced um generally in the outer skin uh, um of, of plants and fruits to protect the 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 plant from external challenges so from from microbial attack, um, so, so from infections, fungal infections or whatever, um, including also oxidative stress, including oxygen, because we know that oxygen is clearly a very reactive uh, atom, and, and, and that's why we use it to, to, to live. You know, that's why its chemistry is highly reactive, and that's why we, 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 get, we get life from, from oxygen. But oxygen at the same time, because it's so highly reactive, can actually damage other molecules, particularly uh, in its most reactive form, which we call free radicals. So because of that, fruits uh, need to protect themselves from oxygen in the environment, which has a tendency to, to, to oxidize them. So you only you can see that if, in an apple, for example. If you cut open an apple and you expose it to the air, what happens? 
it turns brown, its flesh turns brown. There are lots of polyphenol antioxidants on the outside of the apple, which are protecting the apple from, from the oxygen. So polyphenols are really important to a plant. And in fact, the olive tree produces them in abundance because it lives, it exists in a very harsh and, and arid environment. And actually, if you stress an olive tree, and I'm not talking that, I'm not saying that you should tell it to do an extra shift in, in A&E. But if you, stress, if you stress an olive tree by, 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 by not over-irrigating it, or perhaps growing it at altitude, um, it will in, or, or growing it organically, it will increase the amount of polyphenols to protect the olive fruit from more, the greater challenges of the environment. So, so to protect it from oxidation, from, from oxygen, from heat and light and all this, this chemistry that goes on that it needs to resist to maintain a stable, uh, a stable olive and, and, and its contents. So polyphenols are produced by the plant to, to, to support it and to prevent those oxidation reactions. Now, when you produce the olive, olive oil, Hopefully, you can produce a great olive oil that is full of these antioxidants. And then when we consume the extra virgin olive oil, and, and indeed when we consume other fruit, we're getting these polyphenols. We're getting these antioxidant compounds into our bodies. Uh, and that protects us from, from free radical, radicals circulating around, around in our system. Now, it's a little bit more complicated than that, in fact. And, and you know, there's a lot of hype around, around antioxidants and there are antioxidant mm -hmm. supplements for which, incidentally, there's no evidence of benefit. Mm -hmm. I, I, and there is a lot of hype because people don't quite understand about the way antioxidants work, when they get to the body, how, whether, how they're altered by the gut microbiome. It's actually very difficult to see antioxidants working on free radicals actually at a, at a level, at a, at a physiological level. You can see it in a test mm. tube in vitro, but in vivo, it's much more difficult to measure. You can certainly see these polyphenols coming out in your urine but, and going into your body, but you, it is really difficult to kind of describe this antioxidant effect. So it may be that it has a powerful antioxidant effect in, in cells that we, we, we're just not witnessing. It may be that it's some of the metabolites from the gut microbiome that actually are, are, are more powerful. It may be that actually small quantities of these antioxidants that do get into our system work synergistically and, and, and recharge themselves to, to, to prevent these oxidation, oxidation reactions and to kind of uh, um, resolve these, these, these free radicals uh, um, that are around in our system. But we know what we call oxidative stress, which is this uh, uh, pressure on our bodies from, from free radicals, is reduced if we consume a high polyphenol uh, um, diet. And, and that's lots of colored fruit and vegetables because plants are very smart, so they produce polyphenols with colors, so they can mm. use them to signal to, to animals and so on. They also produce polyphenols that are quite bitter because mm. uh, at certain stages of the fruit's development, they don't want them eaten quite yet. Um, and so those bitter polyphenols will then gradually subside as the fruit's ready to be eaten by a, a passing mammal. So there's a really fascinating interaction between the nature of polyphenols, polyphenols from plants, and the way in which they work through our gut microbiome, but actually then uh, on an intracellular level, and how they reduce that oxidative stress, reduce those unwanted extra reactions from uncontrolled oxygen uh, uh, free radicals in our bodies. And so they have this antioxidant effect, which in turn, because oxidation is part of inflammation, 
actually has an anti-inflammatory effect. And so that's crucial about polyphenols and the way in which they, they probably help and support our, our health. And then I can tell you about the cough if you want to. Are you, are you, are you interested in the cough story, Rupi? I'm very interested in the cough story. Yeah, that was a bit of a, lead, bit of a leading question. <laughs> Who's doing this interview? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> so the, the, the cough story is fascinating because um, uh, the, 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 the ability of polyphenols to make a, a bitter taste and also to make you cough uh, is something that was discovered by a, a, a scientist called uh, Gary Beecham, who was a, a professor in Monell uh, Institute in, in Philadelphia. Um, and, and the reason why he discovered a particular compound that make you, makes you cough in, in extra virgin olive oil is because he was researching a, a cough medicine that was produced by one of the big pharmaceutical companies. And he was asked to identify what it was in that cough medicine that was making people rather paradoxically cough. Um, so people were having this cough medicine and it was supposed to help them cough and it was making them cough. And so, so, so the pharmaceutical company went to him and said, look, you know, what's the, which, what, which of the ingredients is making a cough? So he isolated it and he discovered that actually ibuprofen was the, was the compound in the cough mixture that was making you cough. Um, and I don't know whether you've ever accidentally bitten on one of these liquid capsule ibuprofens, Rupi, but it makes you cough. I, I, right. I, no, I, I haven't to, actually. <laughs> don't try it. It makes you cough. Quite unpleasant. <laughs> so the, the, the pharmaceutical company said, thank you very much. And they resolved that and they reduced the level of ibuprofen in, in the cough meds. And then Gary went, went out for a conference. I think it was in, in, in Italy. And of course, the first thing you do when you go to a conference in Italy is go out for lunch uh, because the, the Mediterranean lifestyle, that's what it's all about. Um, and so he, he went out to lunch and, and was introduced to some extra virgin olive oil. And his host said, you know, this is a fantastic local extra virgin olive oil. You must taste it. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so Gary kind of got his piece of bread to dip in. And he said, no, 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 no. You just, no, you, no, you just take it. Just sip it. So he sipped it and um, <coughs> he, he started to cough. So he thought, gosh, there is, there is, there is something in this that is similar to, 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 to that to the ibuprofen. So he, he took it back um, and, and, and his Italian hosts then, then sent him away saying, ah, yes, well, this is a really good extra virgin olive oil because it's a three cough extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> we have a one cough, two cough, three coughs. This is a three cough, early harvest, uh, lots of antioxidants. So he went back to, he went back to Manel and he, he did some research and he discovered a new compound uh, called oleocanthal. Uh, oleo, meaning, oh. oleo meaning oil and canthal meaning sting. Uh, because oh, it, it stings right. the back of your throat. And he discovered that like ibuprofen, it inhibits inflammation on the COX-2 wow. pathway. And when you think about it, you know, you and I, when we, when we, when we see patients who've, who've had heart attacks, or, or we, we, we sometimes give them aspirin. We sometimes give them a, a little bit of anti-inflammatory uh, medication. And of course, Possibly, I, I mean, it, I think it's something like you have to consume something like 50 mils of extra virgin olive oil to get the equivalent of uh, 25 milligrams of ibuprofen. So it's, it's a small equivalent dose, mm, but mm. a small dose of anti-inflammatory uh, with, with an anti-inflammatory effect each day um, may well be part of the reason why extra virgin olive oil is associated with reduced risks of heart disease, stroke, um, sometimes of cat, sometimes of cancer, because of its anti-inflammatory effect. So, oleocanthal may well be one of the. They've identified thirty-six polyphenols so far in extra virgin olive oil, but maybe maybe one of those 
that helps and supports an anti-inflammatory effect. And we, we know that many chronic diseases are driven by chronic uncontrolled inflammation, uh, often through oxidative stress, which is what we were talking about before. And the oleocanthal contributes probably to that uh, to, to that anti-inflammatory action. Yeah, honestly, that I've just been listening to the story with a big smile on my face the whole time because it's brilliant. It's, and it's absolutely fascinating because you hear about all these different phenols and, and phenolic acids and oleocanthal is one of them. There's also, you know, biphenyls and phytosterols and and how they might have this particular effect in the in in vitro but to hear it come to life in a personable story like that is just brilliant and i don't think anyone's going to forget that story of oleocanthos and the three costs it's brilliant absolutely fascinating and and to superimpose that onto the types of medications that we use that are evidence-based like having regular aspirin as a potential um anti-carcinogenic pharmaceutical to prevent bowel cancers something that we use uh, as a cardioprotective uh, pharmaceutical as well over long periods of time it kind of adds weight to the idea that a mediterranean diet supplemented with extra virgin olive oil can potentially have these impacts over the long uh, term preventative measures it's um it's absolutely fascinating. It, it, exactly and and there was a large study called the predimed study which i'm sure you're familiar with uh, mm. where where they looked at the Mediterranean diet with additional extra virgin olive oil and showed reductions in, in heart disease, uh, in stroke, in, in sometimes of cancer, in, including breast cancer, as much as 60% reduced, uh, reduced risk in comparison with the control group who had, the, had what we call the SAD diet, uh, which is the standard American diet. That's what mm. that stands for. Um, um, actually, I think they, yeah, they just had, they had, no, actually they had an American Heart Association diet. That's right. So actually they yeah. had, a, they had a, a good diet versus the Mediterranean diet. And the Mediterranean diet was so superior, they actually had to stop the study before it was mm. due to be concluded and transfer uh, the people who were on the American Heart Association diet, the low-fat diet, onto the Mediterranean diet because the benefits were, were, were so very clear. And because we're now understanding, I think, that so many diseases are, are based on inflammation. I mean, even Alzheimer's, even the, 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 the drivers of Alzheimer's probably have some uh, inflammatory element and possibly some oxidative stresses involved. And there's a very interesting study that's just come out of the University of Athens where they, where they fed people with early stage uh, dementia, with some uh, cognitive uh, challenges. They fed them high polyphenol extra virgin olive oil, and then they fed a controlled group with, uh, with low polyphenol extra virgin olive oil. Um, and there was actually a difference uh, in the outcome so that the people who were on this high polyphenol, slightly bitter, pungent oil, really high quality, really uh, good oil, actually had, uh, had much better preserved functioning, levels of functioning, uh, um, a year or two into the study, which shows potential for, 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 for the possibility that, 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 that diet and perhaps extra virgin olive oil, the Mediterranean diet, might be uh, really key in reducing uh, the, the risk or, or reducing the progression of, of even conditions like Alzheimer's disease. So we're really in a very exciting phase, I think, with understanding. Um, but of course, you, you know, when we talk about the Mediterranean diet supplemented with extra virgin olive oil, I, I think in some respects that's a misnomer because actually Mediterranean diet is absolutely at the heart of, 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 the, of, of the Mediterranean diet. And, and it's such an enjoyable food and it's such a, a great tasting food 
because um, some uh, producers are now trying to uh, um, produce small medicinal sized bottles of this really hyper super polyphenol level uh, oils which are really bitter and, and taken as a medicine but for me I, I, I just love extra virgin olive oil as, as, as part of my part of my diet um, and you mentioned the smoke point earlier and, and, mm. and do you have a lot of you, 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 you probably like me have a lot of questions about 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 the smoke point from from people Absolutely, all the time. Uh, I, whenever I'm using uh, extra virgin olive oil, which is my go-to oil, and everyone knows that, and I pour it into a pan on low to medium heat, I always get asked that question. Just before we go into the smoking point, though, because I'm really glad you brought up those two things, the, the Predibent study, even with its revisions, of which they were quite recent, you know, it still demonstrated that massive reduction uh, across the 7,000 cohorts, uh, I believe it was. Um, so that really made a lot of my colleagues kind of sit up and, and take diet very seriously, particularly extra virgin olive oil. But also what I regard as the disease of our time at the moment, um, Alzheimer's, neurodegenerative disease, something that is a growing epidemic and not a lot of people realize this. And the fact that there was that recent study looking at um, uh, Medi uh, Mediterranean oil, extra virgin olive oil and slowing the progression of early stage cognitive impairment. That for me is absolutely fascinating. And I, and I wonder if there are any other elements of that study, I don't know if you've looked at it in detail, that could add weight as to why we, we, we saw that. And, and inflammation is almost like the underlying paradigm of a lot of chronic diseases that we see as GPs in practice. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And, and I think um, there is probably, um, it's, it's believed um, uh, that oxidative stress plays a part in the formation of the neurofibrinary tangles in, in Alzheimer's yeah. disease. So um, it, 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 the, anything that reduces oxidative stress, anything that reduces inflammation um, has the potential to, to, to benefit uh, in terms of the development of, of Alzheimer's disease. And, and, and again, you see very low levels of Alzheimer's disease on people who are taking the traditional uh, Mediterranean diet. So, so, so lifestyle does seem to be really key. And whilst, um, you, you know, whilst there are lots of uh, very valiant efforts to produce medications, we've, we've seen them fail so many times uh, on, on, to deliver on the early promise. And so I think you're absolutely right with this, with this, with this, with this increasing rates of, of Alzheimer's disease. It's so important to kind of get across that that lifestyle really does count uh, um, to, uh, as a preventative, uh, potentially preventative uh, factor. And there are lots of little, small studies which kind of because one of the things that I think that 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 those of us interested in lifestyle medicine really enjoy doing is we may not be experts in one particular field, but what we what we can develop is an interest in in looking at different lots of different little stu studies which all sum sum up to be something that yeah. we can deliver as a message to our patients and you know i have very many scientific friends who are who are absolutely you know at the forefront leading edge of of one particular element of one particular aspect of the science of the mediterranean diet one polyphenol you know and I have conversations with them and they go to a conference with their colleagues and they, they debate about their scientific methods and they debate about whether or not, you know, how much 
of this polyphenol was was bro broken down by the gut and so on. And 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 you and I and those people who are interested in lifestyle medicine, we, we tend to kind of look at those different debates and conversations and say, hey, listen, we can join the dots up here. You know, there's a study from New York showing that people on the Mediterranean diet actually had larger brain volumes, larger brain wow. sizes in their <laughs> 80s who were on the Mediterranean diet. You know, there's a study from, uh, you know, study about these polyphenols. Then there's, then there's also the Predimin study. And hey, hang on a minute. Let's bring this all together and, and start to get a message out there that, 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 that there's something going on that our patients and, and, and the public really need to really need to, 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 to do. And then if we can communicate it in a really enjoyable way, like you do in the kitchen, even better because then that connects and helps people to to understand how to how to how to make it work for them absolutely yeah and i think it's one of the the many privileges of being a general practitioner where you again we get that bird's eye view and we get that sort of realism when we look at the scientific journals as to okay how do i translate this into a meaningful action and a meaningful message to someone sat in front of me in clinic uh, or even other colleagues as well, and trying to encourage them to sort of take a lifestyle approach to their patients. You know, it's 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 one of the um, the bugbears of mine when when I go to these conferences and you just hear endless debate. And it's great to have that scientific skepticism, but sometimes I think we also need to dose that appropriately with some pragmatism uh, in practice as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And whilst I, I used to say when I used to go to the, was invited to these conference to speak, I said, well, look, I'm just a GP. <laughs> I, I'm just a family physician. Yeah. Uh, whilst I, I, I absolutely recognise, and I think it's really important for those of us uh, who are are trying to deliver these messages, I think it's really important that we do recognise the limitations of, of 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 our expertise and of what we know. And I think it's important that we that we deliver really robust evidence based medicine. Uh, and so I think we should not overreach and we should not pretend that, 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 that we do research ourselves or anything like that. Um, um, uh, but, but I think, on the other hand, it's really so key and so important to get those messages out there. So I, I, I tease my scientific co colleagues who, who I witness exactly like you do, debating over the, over the niceties of, 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 of a particular methodology in one of their science. I say, look, forget the methodology. This is really <laughs> Great stuff. Let's try and I mean, okay, we don't know, we don't know it all, and, and and again, we have to, you know, we can't say for certain. You know, I've said maybe quite a few times in this podcast, as I always do. There is some early evidence that that, that that this is helpful, but let's get it out there because we mm. certainly know that that we're not doing anything wrong if we're telling people to eat real food, uh, um, unprocessed, and to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and one other thing I wanted to touch on, actually, before we go into the smoking point, which I, I can imagine all the listeners are like, get to the smoking point. I want to know about the smoking point stuff. Um, weight loss. Uh, I was really interested uh, in the impact of olive oil on on weight loss, um, maybe even satiety. Could we, could we go into that? Because I, I don't think I've come across that before. Yes, absolutely. So the Mediterranean diet is very much associated with a normal normal weight. So it's mm. associated with a healthy weight. Now, now, in fact, it's very interesting because there was some research done recently which showed that if you compare somebody who's of normal weight with a Western diet with somebody who is actually overweight with a high BMI, not obese, but a high BMI, who's on the Mediterranean diet, the survival of that person 
who's got a higher BMI but's on the Mediterranean diet is better than a person on a poor diet with a normal BMI. Which is really fascinating. So actually, mm. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're learning to rethink a little bit about BMI anyway, because we know that mm. it's not, you know, it doesn't reflect, um, it doesn't exactly reflect health. I mean, you know, actually, you have a higher survival rate if you are slightly in the overweight range, if you're in your 70s, probably because you have a little bit more lean muscle yeah. weight. So... So, so, so BMI is, is, is more complicated and, and I'm a rugby fan and whenever I watch, uh, watch my, my favourite Welsh, because I'm Welsh, Welsh rugby players running around the pitch with their massive BMIs, I think, well, these guys are pretty fit. So BMI can't mean, can't mean that. So, so, so when, we, when we're talking about, uh, about BMI, we, we, we've got to be, uh, I think, a little bit cautious around that as well. But clearly uh, weight is important and clearly obesity uh, being overweight with insulin resistance uh, and uh, with, with in a hyperglycemic state is, guess what? It's a pro-inflammatory state. So mm. the, the the high sugar levels we have, the insulin resistance, being overweight is a con is is a circuit is a situation. It's a core state which promotes inflammation. And if you look at p inflammatory markers, and as you know, we can measure inflammatory markers in the blood test. We can measure. Uh, chemicals which which denote how much background inflammation is going on in people. People who are overweight or obese often have uh, um, high high levels of inflammatory markers. Uh, and the Mediterranean diet will bring people's weight gently uh, and steadily back into a normal range as long as people are are aware, not necessarily to calorie count, but to portion size. Uh, to, to have an approach to portion size and to the speed at which we're we're consuming. If we consume a TV dinner, we consume it more quickly. We're less satisfied. We get those twenty-minute feedback from the stomach that we're full. We we don't get that because we're watching TV and we're we're, we're eating more quickly. And science has shown that we eat more quickly when when we're when we're when we're having a TV dinner. And so we will eat more, and so we'll consume more more food. So the Mediterranean diet is is good in terms of its lifestyle at uh, increasing satiety, and um, mm. and olive oil is part of that. So extra virgin olive oil will increase your satiety. In fact, there's a chemical uh, a hexanal, which is which is a chemical, an aromatic chemical that you can smell. So so the fresh grass, and it's been shown that even if you just smell extra virgin olive oil before a meal, and then you have a meal. You will consume less just because you smelt the olive oil in advance wow. of the meal, which is which is. I mean, I, I just love that. Love that bit of, <laughs> bit of science. So that's brilliant. So 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 yes, and it, and it does increase your satiety. And the thing that I'm really um, um, discovering now through through looking at at all the research papers is 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 a whole new field around uh, around di life's diet, uh, which, which I view, which is. I mean, there are there are advances on diet in terms of epigenetics, how diet can affect our genes and the expression of our genes, and how diet, in particular the Mediterranean diet, can suppress cancer genes, for example, switch them off. Uh, there's, there's, there's some fascinating research about the gut microbiome, uh, of course. But one other area which I think is really fascinating is food interactions. And I, and I promise I'll get back, I'll get, I'll get around to your, your answering your weight uh, a weight uh, uh, question but food the way we put food together is just so interesting and extra virgin olive oil is part of that story so 
If you have a carbohydrate meal, a meal with carbohydrates in it, and you dose it with a little fat, a little extra virgin olive oil, you slow the absorption of the sugar from those carbohydrates. So it in effect decreases the glycemic load of the meal. Now, wow. yeah, and that is true of, of extra, it's actually true of any fat. So although you wouldn't really, I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with butter as a single ingredient, but I am a keen, but you know, if you put butter on your jacket potato, it will decrease the glycemic load of that jacket potato meal. If you go to Italy, you wouldn't dream of eating pasta without a drizzle of extra virgin olive oil. And there's a reason, there's a reason for it, not only that it tastes fantastic with a drizzle of extra virgin olive oil, but it actually suppresses the, 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 the spike, the, those, those really quick spikes in sugar, in glucose, that, that ultimately lead to uh, uh, insulin resistance and, and, and weight gain and, and, and potentially type two diabetes. Um, and at the same time, extra virgin olive oil has got some individual polyphenols which appear to increase insulin sensitivity, which again is part of the story about why we put on weight. So, so it not only suppresses the glycemic uh, load of a meal, but extra virgin olive oil also seems to switch on some, uh, uh, um, some, 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 uh, some insulin sensitivity, some increased insulin sensitivity, which makes us more efficient at uh, dispatching those, uh, those, the, 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 that sugar from, from, from the carbohydrate. So it's about those interactions and, uh, and that's one of the reasons why probably the, the Mediterranean diet works uh, to, to, to reduce weight. There's just so many different mechanisms as to why this kind of diet is so healthy for us. You know, there's the polyphenol argument, the antioxidant argument, now the glycemic load, something that I haven't come across before, the impact on insulin sensitivity, you know, all these different drivers of, of weight gain are mitigated with the use of, of high polyphenol ingredients and, and olive oil being one of them. Um, the, the fat um, combination I haven't come across, but it, you know, going back to sort of like my own origins and my parents and stuff and ayurvedic medicine it is a lot to do with food combinations and i, I must admit i'm not uh, an expert in ayurvedic medicine or Ay ayurvedic food but just the the combinations of food that they recommend are, are very much rooted in the impact it can have on that individual and i and just to go back to what we were talking about right at the start, there is a lot of knowledge out there. Not all of it's correct, but a lot of knowledge that we've known for millennia that are now coming to the forefront and now be explained through the lens of science that makes it a lot more palatable for ourselves as as sort of members of the scientific um, fraternity. Um, it's yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating to, to learn about all these different. It, it is fascinating, and it's fascinating to hear that about how that's kind of potentially rooted in some some cultural heritage around that. Uh, but you are right; we need to be careful. We need to absolutely base it on science. So, if you hear a, 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 a the latest Hollywood celebrity saying that you almost always must combine green things with purple things, and you must go, then, then we need to take that with a great deal of skepticism. But 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 some of the science around food combinations is really revealing. I mean, it is. Mm. It is fascinating, and we can actually talk a little bit about that uh, when when we talk about um, about the smoke point, if you like, because actually cooking with extra virgin olive oil is 
I used to say that cooking with extra virgin olive oil was was safe. Now I say it's desirable, mm. which is a distinction. I, I, you know, because actually there is some alchemy that goes on, which we're just getting a whiff of uh, in terms of the science. There's some real alchemy that goes on in terms of uh, in terms of the interactions between foods when we cook them, um, and some positive benefits of when you cook with extra virgin olive oil. Well, let, let's talk about that. I think we've uh, sort of teased the listener enough uh, about the smoking point. So smoking points of, of olive oil and whether it's safe to cook with olive oil, particularly extra virgin olive oil. Um, let, let's discuss that. What, what is your opinion on, on, on that? Okay. So first of all, I'd like us to pretend for a moment that the, smoke, that the smoking point is relevant. Okay. Okay. And, and, okay. and then we can then we can discuss why it's not relevant. But let's pretend for a moment that the smoking point is relevant. So when people say to me, "Can you cook with extra virgin olive oil?" My first answer is, "Well, you must be able to, because what else do they do in the Mediterranean?" So, in other words, the Mediterranean diet could not possibly work as a healthy diet if it was unsafe to cook with extra virgin olive oil. Can you imagine if I got off my cruise ship, when we're all traveling again, if I got off my cruise ship and I got off at the little island of Icaria in, in Greece and I, and I climbed up the hill and I, I sat next to my, my, um, my, my, um, my, old, my the, 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 the granddad, the great granddad, the great great granddad, the shepherd with his crook uh, sitting on the, uh, on, on the bench at the top of the hill. I'm, I'm out of breath by this stage, of course. Can you imagine if I went, went to him and I said, well, of course, you know, I cook with coconut oil because of the smoking point. <laughs> he would laugh me all the way down the hill, wouldn't he? Because the only thing they use is extra virgin olive oil. And there he is, you know, aged 100. If it was not safe to cook in extra virgin olive, the Mediterranean diet wouldn't work. Anyway, so, so the smoke point. The smoke point is uh, described to be the point at which fats break down and through oxidation, through the chemistry mm -hmm of heat and oxygen uh, into uh, trans fats, uh, into uh, compounds called polar compounds, which may be uh, carcinogenic, may uh, cause cancer. So there is a point at which if you heat an oil, it can break down into harmful products. Now, um, so we ask the question, what is the smoke? If we believe that there is a single smoke point, which as I say, there isn't, but if we were to believe that, what is, I, I then ask patient, or people who are asking me this question, I say, okay, so what is the smoke point of an extra virgin olive oil? And they say, uh, I don't know. So I say, okay, well, let me help you. It's about 210 degrees centigrade. So that's, for, for your American listeners, I, I, I can't translate into Fahrenheit, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> for, it's in, high. in European or UK, it's 210 degrees centigrade for a good extra virgin olive oil. And the antioxidants in the extra virgin olive oil will protect it during the heating. So it's important to get a good extra virgin olive oil, which is rich in antioxidants, to cook with, uh, as well as for your health. Uh, so it's a polyphenol-rich, uh, uh, coughing, peppery, slightly bitter oil, uh, which you cook with. Um, okay, and my next question to, 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 to the punter is, so what temperature do you cook at? And of course, they often don't know. So I say, okay, well, let me help you with that. You generally, you saute at about 160 degrees. You might roast at 170 degrees centigrade, maybe 180 degrees. If you're going for a deep fat fry, if you want to, it's about 190 degrees 
So you're not near the smoke point of a good extra virgin olive oil. Anyway, if you hit this supposed smoke point, you would actually know because it produces an acrid, unpleasant smell. And food in the oil takes the temperature down. And, you know, in general, we don't cook above smoke points. We don't want to. We don't like to. It's not nice. Our body tells us it's not a good thing to do. So don't worry about the smoke point. You'd recognize it if it exists. And you don't cook at temperatures anywhere near it anyway. So then we can then talk about the fact that the smoke point doesn't actually exist. There is no single point at which the oil suddenly breaks down. The question is, if you heat, a more sensible question is, if you heat an oil at normal cooking temperatures, what breakdown products will you have after a period of time? And there was a study done in 2018, uh, published in the journal Acta Scientifica, which lined up extra virgin olive oil with all the other common cooking oils, took them up to 220 degrees centigrade, as it happens briefly, and then brought them down to 180 degrees centigrade and left them for six hours, and then measured these polar compounds uh, and trans fats afterwards and found that they were actually lowest in the extra virgin olive oil. They were higher in canola oil or, or rapeseed oil. They were higher uh, in, in, in sunflower oil, uh, which is not surprising because that has a, has a low uh, point of change. So, and they were, they were healthiest in the extra virgin olive oil. And the antioxidants retained in the oil at the end were highest in the extra virgin olive oil by a mile because mm. extra virgin olive oil is by far and away the highest antioxidant oil you can buy because seeds in general don't need high levels of antioxidants because they are inert and they, and they don't need to exist in this dynamic relationship with the environment that the olive fruit needs to. So it was rich in antioxidants at the end of the cooking. There were very few breakdown products and uh, clearly, it had been safe to cook with it. And so that's been shown and, and, and published. So that's the, that's the conversation about, 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 about the cooking. But not only is it safe, but as I say, it's desirable because of some of this, some of this chemical alchemy, which I, I call it, that goes on when you cook with extra virgin olive oil. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad you, you've told that whole story because I think anyone who asked me about this question again, I'm just going to ask them to go to this point in time during this podcast and listen for about five minutes. So everyone's got it clear that a very good quality extra virgin olive oil is completely safe and in fact desirable to cook with. Um, the alchemy that goes on, I think is it's uh, incredible and it sounds very, very interesting and, and warrants future study. When, when it comes to choosing a, a good quality extra virgin olive oil, Bar the cough test, and I and I can't imagine many supermarkets or stores would be very happy about me opening every one of the bottles and then trying <laughs> little snifters of them and, and and measuring or counting the number of times I cough. But um, what what kind of things should people be looking for in in terms of a good quality extra virgin olive oil that obviously will will cost more than your average cooking oil? Yeah. Okay. So um, extra virgin olive oil um itself is distinct from olive oil or light olive oil. These are refined products. So in other words, when they have uh, the pressing of the olive juice and the product at the end doesn't meet the strict standards for extra virginity, which is about purity, which is about a sensory taste, but also a chemical test, which has to be undertaken for each of the producers. When it doesn't pass that, they ship it off to a, a, an industrial refinery, uh, pump it full of hexane, heat it up, uh, 
strip it of all its antioxidants, make it into a tasteless, uh, odorless liquid, and then they put about five or 10% extra virgin olive oil to give it a bit of a taste, and they call it olive oil. So olive oil is a refined industrial product, which I would not recommend. Always go for extra virgin olive oil is the first, is the first key, because that's the one with these powerful antioxidant and anti-inflammatory uh, uh, elements into it, in it. Most producers are incredibly proud these days of, 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 their, of, of their producers. And it takes, believe me, I, I, have, I have been under the Tunisian sun hand harvesting an olive tree this time last year. And um, I, I was teased I, I was teased so much about how slow I was and, and, and how I, <laughs> after, after two hours of, 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 of what I thought was really, really hard work, I, I, was, um, uh, I, was, uh, I was told off by the, by, the, by the women of the village for my weakness and my, and my, my lack, of, <laughs> lack of fortitude. It, it, it takes a lot to produce a really good extra virgin olive oil. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to harvest it. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to take it to the, to the mill. You've got to press it really quickly. And, 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 and producers are proud. So the closest you can get, I mean, like any food, really, the closest you, you can get to, the closer you can get to the producer in terms of how it feels when you look at the bottle, when you, when, when you look at where it comes from, the closer you can get, the more likely you are to get a really high quality product. So if you go and look for an extra virgin olive oil, go for one which is, first of all, at least regional. So, so don't go for a product of many countries. Uh, go for one which is Greek or Spanish or, 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 or Tunisian or, 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 or Turkish. Or you go for one which comes from a particular country. If there is a family producer, behind it and you can see that it's uh, that it's produced by by uh, and it's got some 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 I mean clearly you know like everybody else in this world extra virgin olive oil producers are good at marketing but you will see so you'll see some good marketing but actually if you can really get a sense that, that, that this is produced in a small area by small producers a cooperative perhaps or even just by one producer then you'll know that you're going to get a real really good quality quality product before you taste it then when you taste it just how, introduce yourself to the idea that it, it can be a little bit like wine. Now we could get a little bit. Um, am I allowed to say arsy on? Yeah, go on, for on, it. On the okay, <laughs> we, we could get a little bit arsy about this, and we could kind of get get a little bit uh, uh, a little bit like wine buffs, uh, you know. And, and and for me, it's a beautiful food, and so I, I, I don't necessarily want to go down that line. But if you take if you if you smell it, if it's like fresh cut grass, if it's got some herbaceous tones, I mean, we could go on. We could talk about almond notes and we could talk about ripe banana oh no 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 not ripe banana sorry no no uh, uh no non-ripe green banana oh yes yes green banana, argue okay. about it. green banana so <laughs> this is this is what we get to with tasting uh, but also go for a little bit of bitterness which when you taste it on its own it can be quite quite forceful bitterness uh, and pungency that pepperiness and that cough when you put it on your food it, it won't give you that same bitterness and pungency it, it, it will modify and it will be really beautiful i promise you but 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 you can taste that and th those are the polyphenols so I, I would taste those and in terms of what you spend i mean again you know it's about it's about choice really isn't it because i have conversations with people and i say well okay so this is usually after the smoke point conversation um, so so they're not very happy with me by this stage so so i i, I say okay so when you they say oh it's expensive and I say, okay, so when you go when when you go to the when you go to the to to, to the supermarket, you know what do you 
what you buy on a weekly basis and what you buy on a on, on, on a monthly basis. And it turns out that people think of olive oil as being a monthly purchase and they think that a, a 500 ml bottle should get them through a month. But they think a 750 ml bottle of Shiraz should probably get them through a night. Um, you know, and that, that Australian wine, uh, which costs, you know, seven pounds is for tonight. But the yeah. olive oil <laughs> it has to last me a month. Now, you know, and and actually when people when people were shown in a study in New York, people who really, really had food poverty issues, when people were given a budget and actually told how to cook. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure that you're aware of this, Rupi, in terms of your uh, uh, your kitchen, uh, um, uh, in terms of the work that you do. When people are, are helped and understood about food literacy, about cooking literacy, about cooking with food, actually, it's it's cheaper to have a Mediterranean diet than it has, is to have a processed, a standard American diet. But you've got to get your head around the fact that in order to benefit from the Mediterranean diet, the research shows that people are consuming between 30 and 50 mils each of extra virgin olive oil per day. So that means that we're getting through quite a lot of extra virgin olive oil. So my final piece of advice is if you can, if people can go online and get a big can, three liters, five liters, something like that, of a good regional oil um, um, you know, that comes with, with some, some, some good reviews, um, then, then get that for the, for the kitchen, um, use it every day. And then if you want to buy a really special, you get it, get into this taking this testing malarkey and you, you want to really become a connoisseur. You can have a, have a, have a, a nice special one to drizzle on, uh, afterwards. But you know, it, for me, it's key to get three liter or five liter cans into people's pantries, into people's larders, into people's kitchens, because, because that's where you're going to be using it for everything. Um, and that's the way to do it economically, because actually yeah. you can get it for, you know, seven pounds sterling, you know, eight euros, $10 per litre um, um, of extra virgin olive oil, which when you think about what that's doing for your health, actually, it, for me, it's a really important thing. And so, and I think it's really important that the Mediterranean diet is not just a preserve of the middle classes. Um, yeah. And I'm really passionate about that, um, that we don't just say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go to my middle class supermarket and buy my middle. You know, I think it's really important that everybody can get, 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 get access to this. And so although extra virgin olive oil is more expensive than vegetable oils, I, I think it's about you know, helping people to understand the priorities and what they can do with it and how they can cook fresh, uh, fresh produce uh in a way that makes it economical which the science supports can be done yeah i, I i'm really glad you mentioned all that um simon because one of the things that we teach in culinary medicine uh at ucl in bristol is um food insecurity and the magnitude of the issue in this country let alone other countries um and the other thing that i've just been working on is a bbc food series that's going to be an iPlay in January 2021 called Thrifty Cooking in the Doctor's Kitchen, where we're actually teaching uh, the principles of essentially a Mediterranean diet with good quality fresh vegetables. And we've actually got the price of each portion of food down to 89p, I believe that was the final amount. So it is doable, but it is to do with food literacy and food education and being thrifty with where you get your ingredients from and where you invest as well. And that, and I think, you know, after today's conversation, I think everyone's going to be running to the top shelves of the oil departments and whatever their supermarkets are going for those, those good quality extra virgin olive oils. Um, 
and and I'm glad you mentioned about the, the range of different olive oils out there and, and the degree of processing. Um, right at the start, you mentioned early harvest, I believe, um, the extraction method, cold pressing or me- mechanical extraction. Are those the kind of key messages that you'd want to look for on the bottle as well as the single family estate or or, or, or the number of um, different types of, of oil that are used in the in the product? Yeah, so on the label, I mean, it's quite interesting because um, extra virgin definitely means something because there are standards set for that. Um, And although there was a lot of publicity a few years ago about the possibility of fake uh, extra virgin olive oil being around, actually, it's been shown that that's not really a problem uh, in most Western countries these days. Most extra virgin olive oil you see will be reliably extra virgin. Um, So extra virgin is really important. Cold pressed is quite interesting because, um, and first pressed, because those are now really pretty much mechanical, uh, pretty much um, marketing uh, uh, phrases. Ah. So by definition, in order to get extra virgin oil, you have to com- you have to press it less than twenty four degrees centigrade. I think I think although I think the law may be twenty seven, but the, the, there are the, the press will do it inevitably. Modern presses do it at, at that temperature, so it's it's always cold pressed and it's always first pressed. Uh, to get extra virgin olive oil. Um, th- these these date back to the time where you used to run the oil through the first time, uh, run the, and then you used to take what was left from that and then run it through a second time to get your, your much lesser grade uh, non-extra virgin oils. Um, and then they might be described as virgin oils uh, mm. if, they, if they were lower grade. So extra virgin olive oil has to be uh, um, I mean, the, the, the criteria are, are based on its taste. So you have sensory panels. Um, and, uh, and so you have these all over the Mediterranean. You have, you have panels of experts who are, who are testing olive oils. And one of the, one of the most bizarre memories I have uh, is in order to counter fraud in Calabria, in southern Italy, I was once introduced to a, uh, a tasting session. And I went into the tasting, and they were policemen all testing and they they had a brigade of italian police in calabria all in uniform and doing this kind of tasting with these with these blue glasses and and sniffing and and, and, and i was kind of really taken about but, but so so there's a tasting thing which is heavily regulated and then there's also an acidity level so so the end product has to be less than 0.8 percent acidity uh, and the reason the reason for that definition is again based on science, and again it's based on the antioxidant levels. Because if you, because the the olive oil is is mostly a healthy fat, which we, we haven't talked about much, but, but that's because polyphenols are more interesting. Um, but it, it it has its fats in triglycerides. So what these are is these are three fatty acids which are bound together by by a glycerol molecule, and that's how the fat exists. But if it's broken down by oxygen. Uh, heat and light and reactions, these fatty acids will break off and will become free fatty acids and they will increase the acidity of the oil. So you want a low acidity oil which reflects the fact that it's well preserved and it hasn't been oxidized and all of the antioxidants will be preserved because they haven't been working hard to fight this oxidation. So so 0.8%, most extra virgin olive oils these days are, are, are 0.2 or 0.3%. So the acidity level, it's extra virginity um, and, you know, regional or, or perhaps cooperative uh, or indeed even from a, uh, from a single, single grower. If you buy your can for the economy, for your kitchen, you're more likely to get a, a cooperative 
Uh, um, but cooperatives are, are, are really good these days in Spain and in Greece in particular uh, because they, uh, th- th- there's, there's competition amongst the farmers to get, to get the best uh, olives. And, 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 and so the cooperative will, will go around, the, the committee will go around the olive groves looking at the oil and uh, looking at the olives rather and, uh, and, and examining them and tasting them and saying, yes, I think you're going to be the, the premium oil. You're going to be our, our bottled oil, you know, our, our 250 mil, our 500 mil premium top of the shelf. Uh, and then the rest, which will be still really good quality. We're, and it's still, as I say, first pressed because that's by definition they are, you know, we'll go in a larger can and that'll be slightly less expensive. And that's the one that you probably will be able to afford to, 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 you know, to, to, to put in your kitchen and, you know, and very, very good, very fine, uh, extra virgin olive oil. So that, that would be my advice in general about, uh, about, about buying really. And, 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 st- that, and that's fascinating. And I've learned so much just from the, the knowledge about those marketing terms, storing your oil. This is quite important because I remember at the start you were talking about heat extraction methods, light and oxygen exposure. Once you've got your can or let's say you've got a bottle, where should you keep the oil? What temperature and how fastidious should you be about leaving the the cap um, on as much as possible when when cooking with it? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Rupi. So fresh oil is best. Um, and uh, I mean, it has a long shelf life because it is a very stable product because of these antioxidants. But you want to try and reduce any exposure to oxygen because that will gradually uh, use up those antioxidants as they protect the oil from breakdown and from going rancid. So just store it, as you say, with a cap on in a cool, uh, um, cool dark, uh, um, dark place, uh, away from excessive heat, away from uh, UV light. Um, and the most important key to making sure that your oil is fresh is to consume large amounts of it quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I don't have it hanging around. In fact, I, I gave a present of, I gave, gave a present of a, of, a, of a really beautiful bottle of fresh. Uh, the first harvest it was given to me, and and I and I, and I, and I gave one bottle to a to, to a friend of mine, and I went round for dinner a few months later, and uh, it still got it on their shelf proudly. Saying, Look, I've still got your expert olive oil, and I and I said, I said, why? <laughs> Why have you still got my extra virgin olive oil? You should have consumed that within a week. So, um, so yes. So, 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 so buy it in a supply that uh, that, that essentially can uh, can uh, can can you can use in a timely way and get it through. Mm. But bear bear in mind that you you know if uh, and there's really no sense both in terms of calories or in terms of of anything else that there's no sense that you can overconsume extra virgin olive oil. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you know, there is no. I mean, 30 to 50 mils is, is quite a lot of oil, and that's what is part of the studies. I mean, in Greece, they consume 70 mils uh, of extra virgin olive oil a day wow. each. And so that actually equates to about a liter per person per month on the 30 to 50 mils middle range. So that's the Mediterranean diet, and the science behind the benefits of the Mediterranean diet is pitched at 30 to 50 mils in most studies which suggests that we can certainly consume a litre each. So if you've got a family uh, you, you know, of, of, of three or four, then three litres, five litres is perfect. Should, should last six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. So it, won't, it won't, certainly won't go off over that time frame. Brilliant. Well, I'm rushing to go get some more extra virgin olive oil. This conversation has made me really hungry. Um, I actually was sent um, some oil by my sister's best friend's family. They're based in Turkey. 
and they've just started their own olive oil. And I was actually saving this bottle for you um, uh, in anticipation of you coming to the kitchen and me cooking for you. Um, but I, I know the family. I know uh, the process it's gone through. So I'm going to try this a little bit later and feedback on the cough test after I've learned a lot more about it. Yes, please do, Ruby. I'd be really interested. Turkey is one of the areas which traditionally produced a, a lot of extra virgin olive oil, and now they're going for some super super oils from turkey it's it's great fantastic to see. well i'm i'm gonna get them to send you a bottle of this but um uh, simon you should really be starting your own olive brand i would definitely buy your, your oil would be a staple in my household so i think you should seriously consider that if you haven't already well you're very kind actually ruby but but in fact what really delights me what i really get get a, a huge amount of pleasure about is 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 actually the privilege of meeting so many different farmers and producers and so many different people um, and, and so so I actually like being an independent observer and communicator of all this um, and one thing I've learned is that is that I know where the best extra virgin olive oil comes from now and shall I, shall I tell you that secret yeah please the best <laughs> extra virgin olive oil comes from whichever grove I happen to be standing in at the time <laughs> because farmers are so proud of their of their oil and and rightly so and um and, and you know it's 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 wonderful to see all these all these places and and, and see all these uh, these producers producing some very fine so i i actually i actually don't go for my own brand because i, I because i just love being an actually being an ambassador for without conflict um, uh, other than the very kind hospitality often I get at conferences uh, and my visits to the Mediterranean. But I, I like being an independent ambassador for good quality extra virgin olive oils because it, 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 it's really uh, just the, the fun of, of promoting it and, and actually seeing how people people enjoy it and, and gain such, such health benefits from it. Fantastic. But can I just tell you a little bit about the alchemy? Please, yeah, yeah, Cause, please cause do. That is, that is really fascinating. So, so when we talked about the interactions with foods, which I know, which I know was something that you, you were really interested in, in as well from, 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 from your experience. So when we talk about the, 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 uh, the, the way in which foods interact, and we're seeing that, for example, with uh, extra virgin olive oil decreasing the glycemic load and increasing insulin sensitivity when you, when you add it to a carbohydrate, there are other fascinating uh, areas that we can see. So for example, when we cook red meat, um, in particular, when we barbecue it and when we char grill it as it turns color and as it as it goes brown and then and then finally black which how some people like it off the barbecue it's thought to be producing compounds including heterocyclic amines which are possible carcinogens uh, they possibly contribute to bowel cancer so one of the reasons why meat red meat may be considered by the world health organization as a possible uh, uh, carcinogen uh, although there's some debate about that is because of the formation of, of heterocyclic amines as it cooks during this what's called the maillard process as, as, as it as it as it turns color Quite extraordinarily, there's some really, really interesting research which shows that if you marinate meat in extra virgin olive oil, along with some other antioxidant, like a bit of red wine, a bit of garlic, a bit of herbs, you can reduce, when you cook, you reduce the formation of heterocyclic amines by as much as 80 to 90%. And so when we see uh, meat being cooked, I mean, meat is consumed less often in the Mediterranean diet, but when it is cooked, um, uh, and when it's cooked on the fire, it's usually almost invariably marinated in the Mediterranean culture. And, you know, is this one of the reasons why extra virgin olive oil and other ingredients protect 
the meat from those changes. You know, if it's cooked in a tagine in the juices of extra virgin olive oil, again, you, you know, that lamb will not be producing the same level of heterocyclic amines. And so that combination I find absolutely fascinating. And another, another, uh, another again, written up in a, 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 an obscure journal of, 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 of food chemistry. But another fascinating story is that, is that when we talk about the sensitivity to heat, um, when we fry fish, um, fish, uh, the good things about fish include the omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids. Now, omega-3s are not very heat stable, so polyunsaturates uh, break down quite soon under heat. Um, but if you cook it in extra virgin olive oil, if you wrap the higher, um, uh, if you want to call smoke point, but the higher uh, capacity oil in terms of its tolerance of heat, wrap it around that fish, then it will form a protective glaze and protect those omega-3s from breakdown so that the resulting fish will be far more healthy having been fried in extra virgin olive oil than if it was cooked, fried in any other oil or, or, or cooked because of the antioxidants mm. and the higher smoke point of, 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 of the oil. And, and we're also seeing some really interesting research which shows that when you cook with extra virgin olive oil, when you cook vegetables, you mix the polyphenols and they kind of enter a, a sort of chemical dance together. And the absorption in the juices, in the oil, is much greater, of the, in particular of the fat-soluble uh, uh, vitamins, as well as, as, well as, as, well as polyphenols. And, and, and there was a fascinating piece of research which showed that, uh, that actually even new polyphenols are created in the cooking between vegetables and extra virgin olive oil, which were not in the individual uh, um, vegetables uh, or oil themselves. So stories like that that are beginning to emerge about th this, this what I call alchemy of cooking yeah. the Mediterranean way, I, I think really are just, just really fascinating. Absolutely, yeah. I, I really think we're scratching the surface of, of how much we know about the... Um, the, the the chemical nature of the the foods and ingredients that we consume and how that changes through cooking um, from its raw form but also um, after its uh, digestion from the microbiota uh, it reminds me of these studies that were performed I think it was in Cork University where freeze-dried berries were consumed and berries contain a, a multitude of different phytonutrients like um, anthocyanins and and, and other um, chemicals uh, but a whole bunch of new metabolites were created that were measured after uh, the digestive process through the microbiota as a result of microbial work on those original compounds so there's so many different elements along the way and it's very hard to sort of compute for our small brains <laughs> compared to like machine the uh, computers that would be able to actually um stratify all these different uh sort of patterns of, of new chemicals being created um and it's fascinating to see and i think it speaks to what we've always known of eating a whole very diverse diet supplemented with a few extra things that are high in polyphenols is definitely the best way to go so i think that's right rupee and we don't need to follow the science as much as the science is following those, what we, what we intuitively know. So in other words, we know that diet patterns, heritage diet, traditional diet patterns based on real food, like the Mediterranean diet, are really good for us. And the science is now explaining why, which is fascinating. So the science is following 
what we actually already know and what just what, what we're demonstrating. And so I, we can go to this off the off the shelf dietary pattern, which we know is going to give us health and then say, OK, well, oh, it's interesting to try and understand why that's the case. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Simon, this has been brilliant. I'm sure we could natural on again. And I would love to do this again when we can actually see each other in person and, and cook with some olive oils and do a bit of tasting. Um, but I, I will let you go. I know you're, you're, you've got clinic later on, as do, as do I, actually. Um, but <laughs> I, I think we could, yeah, it, we, could, we could definitely talk for a lot longer. So I, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great fun. Thank you very much indeed, Ruby. Great to talk to you and great for congratulations on all the work you're doing and uh, and, uh, and 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 carry on the, these these great messages. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, Simon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can find out all about Dr. Simon Paul's work on the doctorskitchen.com forward slash podcast show notes. And I will see you here next time. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.